You're listening to Fueling the Future of Transport, hosted by Tammy Klein, the founder and CEO of Transport Energy Strategies. We'll talk all about the fuels and energy it takes to keep the world moving forward. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show with me today. I'm super happy to have with me Ginger Laidlaw. Ginger is Vice President of the Alternative Fuels Council. Ginger, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Tammy. Great to have you. So I'm going to get right into it. Uh, For the listeners who may not be familiar, can you talk about um, the Alternative Fuels Council, what it is and what its mission is? Sure. So I'll I'll back up slightly and say that Alternative Fuels Council is a company that was born out of NATSO. NATSO is a federal association that represents truck stops and um, operators from about 1,600, um, I should say 2,200 travel centers and operators across the U.S. and have been for 50 years. Um, So that represents about um, 16,000 fueling stations throughout the U.S. So part of what NATSO does is finding solutions to some of our members' challenges. And so that's how that was one of the the things that's come out of um, those challenges is alternative fuels uh, was the Alternative Fuels Council. So what we do is we help um, not only members, but all fuel blenders or those interested in blending across the U.S. get them started, get them started with finding supply get them going with compliance, um, and also helping them market their RINs. So RINs is a big part of what we do. We offer an online RIN management system um, that manages the compliance and helps um, sell the RINs at the end. So that's that's mainly where we're focused, renewable fuel standard, the RINs. So how are your clients, um, well, actually, first of all, can you talk a little bit more about how the program um, or how what you guys are doing with the the Alternative Fuels Council is is benefiting um, fuel retailers and and also uh, blenders. Can you talk just a little bit more about that? And what kinds of fuels are um, folks sort of interested in here? Yeah, so, so how this is a benefit to those is that I think everyone across the nation is experiencing staff shortage. Um, so you know, if you're an operator, especially if you're an independent operator, you are you're wearing many, many hats. And what better to pass off some of this, you know, compliance work to someone else that can handle it and take care of it for you while you're making money off of blending renewable fuels. So a lot of times it is it is us just trying to help get some of the the red tape hurdles out of the way, get you registered with EPA, the IRS, all the things you need to get going on so that you can start blending renewable fuels, talking about blending infrastructure. um, And then the compliance end of it is really kind of hands-off. We take care of that for our clients and members. Um, And I would say for the most part, where where we are focused is biodiesel and ethanol. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is still, this is the messy middle right now. I mean, we have these fuels that we're looking forward to, that we're we're keeping our eyes on, electrification, hydrogen. But really right now, our folks are, we can still decarbonize with what we have available right now, which is ethanol and biodiesel. Renewable diesel to a select few, uh, mostly the West Coast. Um, But if 
if you at least have the education and know the different incentives and credits you have available to you, that really helps you negotiate fuel pricing um, and be able to, and if you can get a good price without taking the credits, that's an advantage as well. But at least you have that power, that knowledge that, hey, if you're selling me biodiesel, I should be getting these credits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would imagine that's really um, amazingly helpful, especially for smaller players that don't have massive, you know, compliance outfits, you know, within their their organizations or the resources to do, you know, third parties like like Weaver. So it must be, you know, massively helpful for them to help navigate that from the compliance and allow them to be able to participate um, in in the pro and in, in, in these programs and generate credits. Right. I mean, just like I said earlier, it's just um, we're just kind of an extension of their company. We are working for mm-hmm. representing them. We're helping them do all the things that need to be done while they can focus on their main main business. Um, and at the end of, you know, you're actually physically blending the product. You're then trying to sell the RIN. So part of what we do is we help market those RINs. We act as a broker mm-hmm. if it's needed. So sometimes that's even maybe even a higher benefit because we are making these offerings, we're pooling everybody's rents together and making these larger offerings um, to the obligated parties who are buying the rents. So, and that's all through relationships that we've developed. Right. So how are your clients navigating the energy transition and, and what does it mean, you know, uh, to them? Is it, is it hitting them yet? And then, you know, as a result, do you, do you see the industry beginning to transition more and more towards bio-based low-carbon fuels, you know, or electrification, you know, what's happening there? Um, Well, believe it or not, there's still folks that are looking into starting to blend biodiesel. That's interesting. Um, So like I said, this is, this is really, I think I've coined, I took this phrase from uh, NACFI. He's, he keeps calling it the messy middle and I, I yes, my growth. Yep. (laughs) Yes, I, I totally agree and believe it's true that this is where we're at right now. These are the fuels that are available, that we have the, the infrastructure to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically the supply is there. If we can, if you can get a hold of it, if you've got all the pieces, all the pieces fit together, and that's something that we help with too. We've got calculators that figure out, okay, there's a supplier close to you. Um or you can find the supplier at the terminal nearest you um, and you can get a hold of it. Let's make sure that the, the producer, um, you know, has good quality fuel. Um, are they working with an engineering firm? I mean, all those things that we can figure out about quality are always a big question. Um, so most of, like I said, the most of the folks that, that I'm working with are currently blending ethanol biodiesel, but are some are looking into just starting to blend some of those fuels right now. With the EV, the EV funding coming out, um, obviously people want to take advantage of that funding availability. So some are installing or maybe already have installed um, EV chargers at their facilities um, as kind of a information gathering at this point, um, just trying to figure out, you know, I, I think there's a lot of things that, that have to be figured out yet with, with that and retailing for EV charging. Um, so I I think as time goes on with the NEVI funding um, that people will take advantage of that and put it in the chargers. Um, 
hydrogen is something that I think our members are and, and my clients are more comfortable with. I think it's a it seems like a fuel that it's a little closer to home, a little closer to um, the liquid fuels that they deal with now. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. I think it makes more sense to them. Yeah. And, and how they can, I think they can see how they can retail that a little easier than they can when they look at EV and compare it to hydrogen. Um, I think there's a lot of talk about hydrogen maybe being the better fuel for heavy duty. It's going to be the mm-hmm. heavy duty solution. Um, I agree. And I think there, there's been a lot of delays in EV infrastructure um, that's kind of put off. And, and hydrogen is a ways off as well, too. I know we're, I've been sitting on a couple um, groups that are kind of started with some pilot projects with hydrogen. So that'll be very interesting to see how that comes with the, with the hydrogen hubs um, and some of those ports, the yeah. port level, um, and how that's going to work. So what are you hearing from your clients? You talked about biodiesel, renewable diesel, um, hydrogen, and electrification. So what are you hearing from your your clients and members about these alternative fuels? What are the biggest successes and also challenges um, for them? I mean, you talked a little bit about the challenges in understanding, you know, electrification, but what else are you hearing and seeing out there? Uh, well, maybe surprising, maybe not surprising. I think there's still some education to be done out there um, for consumers about renewable fuels. I think there's some, there's still some hesitation with using biodiesel. That is and, surprising. Why is that? You know, um, well, because a lot of times when operators switch over to using a bio blend. Um, what it's doing is it's it's kind of it's getting into the tank where the diesel you know and it's it's getting all those particulates out and then you have the the filter issues the, the filters with the dispensers or um, you know and, and operators are busy trying to change those out but there's just a lot of there's still a lot of um, you know just kind of adversity to bio people have it in their heads that it's going to cause. Um, fuel filter plugging and and really I, I don't hear that very much and a lot of times how we respond to that is well try to maybe try to clean your tanks out first before you start doing the, the biodiesel that could be very helpful to do a really good cleaning of your tanks before you switch over to blending um, a lot of folks put an inline blending system mm-hmm. you know, the Cadillac of, of blending where you have a bio tank and you've got your diesel tank and you have lines that that actually come together towards the dispenser so you're not blending it in the tank you're you're putting the two together right beforehand so you can even shut off you know if you're in colder temperatures maybe you don't want to blend bio at a higher rate so you've you've shut off your bio or there's good it's a good accuracy blending tool where you can figure out what percentage you're going to blend at um i know a lot of operators are looking at um you know, where their trucks are going in a week span. If they, Are they going north? And they've got to look at the weather, you know, in different directions. So bio is kind of a more of a, it's weather dependent. A lot of operators are, are you know, looking at the weather around them. How far are these trucks going? And do we need to dial it down to a certain percentage um, that everybody's comfortable with? Um, I know some operators have done a really good job with education 
not only with their customers fueling up, but also with their employees to make sure that everybody's kind of on the same page. Um, and of course, there's always ways to do fuel quality checks, right? You can, mm-hmm. you can send in samples. If you suspect something, you can send in samples. Um, I actually had somebody just tell me recently that they apparently have a great uh, relationship with their weights and measures and they, they call their weights and measures and have them come out and sample, which I thought was, I never hear anybody say that, but apparently um, some folks have a really great relationship with them and will literally ask them to come out and sample it. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. And uh, another thing is that we just try to promote that, you know, you really need to know where your product is coming from. Um, and what is the feedstock that's that's creating this fuel for you? So just just knowing where exactly where it's coming from, and what are the feedstocks? Because a lot of producers switch up what the feedstock is depending on, of course, pricing and and that. So that's just good to know. I think it's just good for everyone to know exactly what are you getting um, as you're as you're getting the fuel. Are those same? Do those same concerns apply to renewable diesel, um, for example? And you you talked said at the beginning, and it makes a lot of sense given the the low carbon fuel standard in California um, that a lot of the renewable diesel um, that is in the market is is being dispensed there and generating credits. Are members interested in? Um, you know, selling renewable diesel can is it a matter of can they get their hands on it or is it something that they're learning more about or are they priced out of the market and do they have the same kinds of quality concerns or are there other concerns for them? Definitely operators that can get their hands on their renewable diesel <laughs> are, are doing it. Um, and actually um, someone I just spoke with last week, they kind of transitioned it was interesting to hear the transition in california that you know they were starting to blend bio and then they switched to where they're blending bio with renewable diesel a 20 percent bio and 80 percent renewable diesel and then they just went 100 percent renewable diesel and the beauty of renewable diesel is that it's a considered a drop-in fuel so no infrastructure needs to be changed it can come through the pipeline um there really isn't um, there's there's still RINs associated with renewable diesel. Yeah. There, of course, LCFS credits, and then the tax credit as well, the biodiesel tax credit or the blenders tax credit um, that applies to bio and renewable diesel is there. Um, and what we are finding or hearing is that their customers are really they like it too. They like yeah. renewable diesel. Um, that they just can't even believe how how clean it clean I'll say quote clean it looks, mm-hmm. um, you know to them they just really and and pricing wise it's worked out really well um, for operators um, so those who it's available to um, they yeah. love it and it's it's easy to use yeah um, and again though if you're not getting the credits at least have the education about what RINs are and how much they're worth um, so right. you can negotiate the best price possible. Right. right. Yeah. So for them, for, for, for some of your members, it's simply a matter of getting their hands on the supply. Exactly. Because it doesn't matter where it's being produced right now. It is getting shipped <laughs> out west. The, the vacuum, the vacuum cleaner that is yes. California. <laughs> 
Um, so what about electrification? Um, what You talked a little bit about some of the members are experimenting. Um, they're um, doing a little bit of investing in charging. They're sort of seeing how this all works and trying to figure it out. What are you hearing from, from members specifically on charging, both good and challenge? I think challenge... I mean, and this is the real world. I mean, this is what, right. I mean, this is really like the literal rubber hitting the road is with with these folks, I think. Right. So I think, um, you know, this is definitely what we call a four-wheel um, issue where this this is their front court. These are the, the cars um, side of things. And I think there's still range anxiety going on there. Um, I, I feel like I have heard all different challenges and, and, and results depending on where you are in the country. I heard someone from Ohio having great experience with it and somebody in Kansas who is not. Um, so I think it, it just depends on location, location, location. Yeah. Um, and of course, there's so many different variables involved, right? It's um, who, is the, who is the infrastructure provider um, and there's so many different utility companies to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hear, you know, some construction delays, um, more about utility end of things. It just takes a very long time to get that infrastructure set up. Um, on the heavy duty side, obviously we're not quite there, not anywhere yeah. close to where we are with the, with the four wheel, um, that, you know, there are some projects and I know they're trying to electrify, um, some port, um, routes at least. Um, but I think maybe even there, there's some, there's still some delay in trying to get, and even having the availability to put that much power on a site, a megawatt charger, um, just thinking about that and how many trucks go through a site a day. Um, it, it seems kind of far off at this point, um, for heavy duty. Um, so that's why I say hydrogen, I wonder, um, may become more of the star of the show for heavy duty than EV. Yeah, that's interesting. So um, you talked a little bit about the fact that, yeah, the industry, it, it, it makes more sense in industry or, or members' heads um, for, for dispensing hydrogen and the, the the footprint, the bones, or whatever you want to call it, are similar in terms of dispensing and understanding how you know all that works. So, um, what do you think, or, or what are our members sort of thinking about more when it comes to the the time um, horizon, you know, for for hydrogen? I mean, yes, it's a little bit off, you know, right now. But our members beginning to say, oh, okay, I can see, you know, doing something on this in five years, in 10 years, or because I don't think it's a 20-year fuel anymore. I think it's somewhere in the in that messy middle time time frame, right? Right. Yeah. I I I feel like um most of the folks I talk to, clients and members, I think they feel it is a ways off. Yeah. Uh, just because I think because of their experience with EV so far, like that that's just another set of infrastructure. While it is somewhat similar to what they're doing right now with diesel, 
versus hydrogen. I, there's still an infrastructure that has to be built out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that you know, this, this is hard. To, I feel like we're kind of doing the fire hose approach with a lot of these fuels that we're, we're coming at it from all different angles yeah. instead of, instead of kind of focusing on one part of it first, we're, we're going at it all at once. Um, so I, I don't hear of anyone putting in hydrogen stations at this point. Um, you know, and California is a totally different story, but outside of sure. California, I don't hear of anyone um, really getting after it for hydrogen. Um, I think once, you know, we have these hydrogen hubs set up, Mm-hmm. I, I still think this is, I don't know. I still think this is a 15 year yeah. at least deal. Yeah. It, I mean, considering what you were saying earlier, which really su- surprised me at the beginning when you said, you know, I have members that are, you know, investigating biodiesel for the first time. And my reaction was kind of like biodiesel. I mean, biodiesel has been around for, I don't know, 20 plus years now so it's not like so what you're saying is it's it's not like you know outside of some areas that are probably driven more by policy like for example california or maybe in the midwest you know where at least at one time there were mandates minnesota and and other states where you know you had to dispense b2 or b5 or what have you um for a lot of the industry, it's sort of a a new thing. And this is a fuel that's been around for 20 years. So then you place that within the you know, framework of electrification, or you place that within the framework of hydrogen. And yeah, the 20 years, 15 to 20 years makes sense. Like it needs to be tried, tested, proven, you know, right. <laughs> bulletproof. I, exactly. Right. We've got a ways to go on that. As exciting as it is and how many people want to move forward with these, I feel like, um, you know, the messy metal, yes, but it's also our chance to decarbonize right now. If you can get a hold of those liquid fuels and be able to blend them now, you know, we we still should be striving for that and not waiting for the other fuels to come along. Do members um, understand that? Do they they feel like there's been too much emphasis on electrification rather than on fuels that are available, you know, right now, like what you're saying, like, you know, low carbon fuels, like biodiesel, like ethanol, like renewable diesel, when they can, when they can get it. Yeah. That's that's like, Hey guys, we're just getting around to this now. What are we doing? (laughs) Nephi, what? (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure it's part of a, it's probably a comfort thing, right? This is, um, you know, what they know, this is what they've been doing and adding in an alternative fuel like bio, renewable diesel, ethanol, those are things that are around and there are experts out there that can help you do the, do the logistics of it. And, you know, you know, can set everything up for you Um, where these newer fuels are just a kind of a new, you know, we're we're kind of, kind of just getting used to it. Um, Working with utilities, a totally different story than oil companies or suppliers, right? This is a totally different partner than they've ever had before. Um, So this is just, this is all just going to take time to get into these new fuels. But again, but I I think these ethanol and biodiesel 
are still fuels where the producers are still trying very hard to reduce their carbon footprint, mm-hmm. however they're doing it. I mean, there's lots of different ways, but they're still very much available out there and trying to lower their carbon intensity as much as they can. Right, right. And serve the public. Right. Right. The, the motoring public and, and light, heavy, medium duty, so on and so forth. Um, so fun and last question. What excites you most about this space and why? The Jeopardy question. Yes. Well, <laughs> I feel like, um, you know, being with everyone who's blending, I feel like they're they're kind of pioneers in this. They're kind of coming into this new era of these new fuels like we're talking about. It's a little scary. It's exciting. Um, and, and we're all learning as we go. Nobody's done it and successful yet. Um, so we're all kind of learning from each other. So I just think it's fun to to ride along this this train with them to figure out and try to serve them the best that I can and and wish the most success for everyone who's whatever fuels that they're using right now, Mm -hmm. you know, I want everyone to be successful, but still looking to the future is what, what's next. So Ginger, thank you so much for being on the show today and talking to us about the Alternative Fuels Council. Thank you very much, Tammy. You've been listening to Fueling the Future of Transport. This show is hosted and edited by Tammy Klein, produced by Carolyn Schneer and engineered by Alexander Nikolic. To hear more great episodes of this show, learn more, and sign up for a free bi-weekly newsletter, visit transportenergystrategies.com.